Good morning and happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian listeners. This is Ryland Turner from Wednesday Night Wallop with Wednesday Night Wallop presents the Extreme Rules After Show. I'm joined as uh, what looks to be almost always uh, on our WWE reviews by our WWE correspondent, Nick Hawley. Nick, how are you? Not too bad, buddy. Just, uh, you know, enjoying a little bit of a long weekend here, just uh, recovering from COVID. So bear with me if I'm not my normal, cheerful, happy self. However, uh, I did indeed review and uh, watch Extreme Rules last night. So uh, let's talk. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Let's not uh, waste any time. Um, We'll get right into it. Uh, Firstly, before we do get into the show, though, uh, what are your overall thoughts on this White Rabbit uh, stuff that WWE's been doing lately? Uh, We recently found out on last week's episode of Wednesday Night Wallop that um, the guy really at the forefront of this is this uh, guy from Marvel, whose name escapes me right now. Um, And he's worked on Avengers films, Spider-Man films, and as as well as a Disney Plus uh, original show. What do you think? How do you think this guy did so far? Okay, so... I've got a couple of thoughts on this. Uh, first of all, I thought that all of the uh, there was a, a ton of creativity involved with it, which is really cool to follow along. I mean, it was it was pretty obvious where it was leading to, um, but you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't done without any sort of uh, like there was no disgust or anything. There's there's just like this is kind of cool. We can all see where this is headed to, but it's it's a really interesting idea, and it seemed to flow into any talking point that was sitting there. Like the White Rabbit was always being talked about, and all the stuff that they did, like uh, after uh, after the shows would go off the air, or you get stuff from the uh, uh, like like on the online media and the QR codes. All that was done really cool. I did see a bit of some conversation. Let's say involved in it when everyone started talking smack when they found out that this writer was magically uh, a Marvel writer and you know what has he got any anything to do by by WWE standards and they're just absolutely tearing on the guy for uh, for bringing this create creative process into WWE. Uh, it turns out he's actually been a lifelong WWE fan and seemed mm-hmm. to put every everyone's doubts right in the dumper immediately they're like oh well okay well at least he knows the product it's not like you know these soap opera writers that Vince McMahon would hire or uh what was it there there's a uh, female writer a few years ago that uh, they hired and she's like I don't know anything about WWE it's like why the fuck are you writing for them like yeah. you don't know any of these characters how can you write for these characters that we have all grown and loved I don't think it's going to be the same with this Marvel guy so we'll see no I I agree. And also, like, this guy's been put into a position that I feel like wouldn't have never existed under Vince McMahon, because I believe he's the director of creative or long-term creative, which is something we'd never see under Vince, ever. Yeah. Like, because there was no such thing as long-term creative with Vince. Yeah. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, taking in Extreme Rules was, was fun for me, because I had my son over for the first overnight visit, and uh, this kid put himself to bed. Seven o'clock rolls around. He looks outside, goes, oh, dark out. I go bed now. And I was like, I looked at him and I'm like, sure, uh, let's go brush our teeth and call mom and say goodnight. He did that. By 7.15, this kid was asleep. <laughs> I, Man, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was it was incredible. So uh, big ups to my son and uh, way, way to make the first overnight visit a successful one. Uh, but Fantastic. getting into it. Canadian Thanksgiving is this weekend, and we were treated to a uh, well, <laughs> a Thanksgiving tradition of uh, ex- extreme rules uh, live from Philadelphia. Uh, we had a open uh, with Paul Heyman uh, narrating this uh, 
interesting open with this young lad doing a spelling bee. Most extreme uh, spelling bee ever. This kid's a dumbass. He can't spell extreme? Like, he had so many questions about this word. Like, I've never watched a spelling bee. Maybe this is just the norm. But, uh, my God. Like, no, extreme is one of the easy words on this list, kid. (laughs) Yeah, I I will say that. It was narrated by Paul Heyman, and it was fucking fantastic. And I said the same thing. I was like, why why is it a spelling bee? Besides the fact that it was this kid asking, like, where the origin of the word came from. Uh, It's like, use it in a sentence. Use it the... Whatever, all the the normal spelling bee stuff. So I'm kind of laughing at that. But the rest of the package surrounding it was so good. It was, it was very good. And, and that's that's WWE. Like we've come to expect that from them at this point. Um, I and will they say ruined they, it, though. they ruined it because then they brought that goddamn theme song under, which holy shit, not not good for extreme rules. Uh, you know what? Like the, the song itself, I'm not going to shit on it. Um, it's escaping me from who it's by, but it's some popular, someone's getting popular on TikTok. I, I would recognize the name if I heard it, but everyone was blowing up over this, uh, this, this individual. And now there's a WWE song for extreme rules. And I was like, man, if they use that for SummerSlam, I'd be okay. It's no fucking red light, green light, but it'll do. <laughs> but, for, but for extreme rules, it's like, what the fuck is this? This is like the happiest go lucky poppy shit ever. Well, it certainly wasn't a happy go lucky poppy show. That's for sure. Uh, so. we'll, we'll start with the, uh, the opening contest was. Firstly, I will say uh, about the pre shows, really happy that we're not doing matches on the pre shows anymore. I think the panel is, is just fine. Um, so let, let's get into it. Uh, the good old-fashioned Brook match. The Brawling Brutes versus Imperium. Uh, very happy to see, uh, even though he's still called Butch, uh, I call that his slave name. Yeah. Um, it's, it's happy to see, I'm happy to see him in his original gear again uh, yeah. and not looking like a uh, 1800s uh, like Cockney British guy who hangs out in the alleys waiting for guys to fight him over a pint of Guinness. Yeah. Um, but this match was chaos. Just, I mean, it was what you, you said when we were discussing it last night. This is just a brawl. It's what it's supposed to be. And these guys were awesome. Like, all six guys got a lot of shit in. Uh, the former Walter, now known as Gunther. Uh, it, look, he's so, number one, the guy's gotten into incredible shape. And I know we talked about this on our uh, last after show. But uh, the whole group just looks great together again. I, I'm very happy to see them reunited. And honestly, I've never been more interested in Sheamus. Yeah. Like, really, I, I've never been more interested in this guy. So The, the best uh, part I found for, for – sorry to cut you off, but the best part right. for me for this match is that I found that, like, no one really had the upper hand. Like, it was just a fantastic brawl where the guys were – like you said, they're all getting their shit in. And it's just like, I actually don't know who's going to win this match because they are every, – everyone is beating the shit out of each other. It's fantastic. Right. Uh, did, you, did you have any notes for this one? Uh, other than the fact that Seamus got absolutely lit up with chops as usual, and he then he took a a pretty good bump on top of the bar that was sitting outside, like you could you heard him you heard his back smack up against it, and I said I was like man that would not have felt good like getting dumped on the bar like that probably didn't feel great, but I bet you didn't feel nearly as bad as his chest because <laughs> his chest was so red so red. And just knowing knowing the stories from Seamus, I feel like this is not the first time he's been power bombed onto a bar before. No, no, I, actually, I think uh, Corey Graves mentioned exactly that. So, 
With all that being said, I thought this was a really great way to open this show. Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought perfect. All, all, like I said, all six guys look great. Um, I, I'm, I'm, man. When when Sheamus was hitting the ten beats of the Valgrim on uh, on Gunter, they just and and then you had the other two guys join in just to beat him down. That was one of my favorite spots of this match. Um, yeah, this this match was was really 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 good. Sheamus eventually hits a uh, what's the move called the El- Celtic cross through the table on the outside. And again, this is the opening match, this poor table. Yeah. Um, then we get back into the ring. Celtic Cross, or sorry, Celtic Cross uh, was on the outside. Seamus Bro kicks uh, Giovanni Vinci for the win. And the Brawling Brutes go over. And uh, as they're, they're, they're singing what seems to be some sort of Irish pub song, uh, banger after banger after banger. I'm not sure exactly where, where the origins from that are, but uh, it was good to see these the, the baby faces go over because I don't think that, uh, Gunter and uh, the rest of Imperium need to be undefeated. I don't. That sometimes I, I understand why that's necessary, but I feel like these guys don't need to be world killers. Right. Yeah. They, no, they look, I, I don't think the loss hurt them at all. Like uh, there was uh, one of the bo- most important parts of this match. I think that they're that they're playing onto was uh, I guess SmackDown. They had a, a bit of a brawl, and the the, uh, the Shillelagh got involved. So. Gunter was going off about how I guess Seamus is a coward for needing to use a weapon or something else like that. And then, then there were some shillelagh shenanigans last night, obviously, uh, with the match that uh, Gun- Gunther actually started using the weapon. So Seamus, even though he got the win after the shenanigans with the shillelagh, uh, there's some there's some fallout from that, whereas now Seamus is calling uh, Gunther a coward for having to use a weapon. So I think that's where they're probably going to go in the future for it. Do you think that this ends the feud, or do you think that uh, we we uh, we we're going to get one more from these guys? I think we're gonna. It's going to keep carrying on. I I personally I don't see anything. Well, I mean they've got a, a few different factions kind of starting boiling up right now. Where we're probably going to see these guys starting to get involved, which I absolutely do love that because I'm a I'm a big faction nerd. I really enjoy that kind of uh, kind of wrestling, and I think Triple H is a fan of it as well. So we're actually going to see. I think a lot of these guys start to go across and uh, maybe maybe at least get some decent matches in. But I still think that Brutes versus Imperium is probably the way forward for now. Either somebody's going to get the, the tag belts involved at some point if they ever come off the Usos, uh, or at the very least there, we're going to see we're going to see uh, another um, Intercontinental match, I would say. Um, Certainly. Uh, it was the uh, season premiere of SmackDown on Friday night, and we had the uh, debut of Legato Del Fantasma yeah. uh, with Zelina Vega leading them, uh, which was a very, very good way, I think, to introduce them onto the main roster. I think yeah. Zelina Vega is somebody that they know they have lightning in a bottle with. Um, and she, an incredible talker, an incredible yeah. talker. And these, these guys, uh, no shade on any of them. I know that we have a guy in Santos Escobar who can talk, but it's always good to have, like, it, 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 I think it's I feel, the way, same way I feel about uh, Ethan Page being with our, our man Bivens, um, or Stokely Hathaway, as they call him over in right. AEW land. Um, he's not necessarily there to talk for everybody, but it's good to always have somebody who can. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think with Zelina, too, like, she, she proved herself when uh, she was managing Andrade, where she was his mouthpiece, because let's face it, y'all, Mr., uh, Old El Idolo there, he's uh, he's not the strongest when it comes to the English language, and I'm certain he is fantastic if you're a native uh, uh, Spanish speaker because the dude's got so much charisma. 
However, it doesn't translate necessarily when he's trying to find his words. So Zelina, she's got the look, she's got the uh, she's got the athletic ability and everything else. She's you know she's like five foot nothing, but she's absolutely shredded. So she's able to be taken seriously in that role. Plus, uh, again, she can she does all the talking necessary for her. So I think uh, it'll be interesting to see where where SmackDown takes that. And again, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, something to do with all these factions now. Maybe we'll get the uh, you know not necessarily you don't need a like a trios belt or anything else like that but it would be it just it brings some more life into a tag division that you know classically has been very very limited in wwe especially after the last five or six years agreed all right our next match was the smackdown women's championship extreme rules match between Liv morgan the current rd yeah the champion at the time versus ronda rousey uh this match started off pretty slow to me although it did pick up i feel like uh at, at some point they and i think it was the high knee by rousey uh I think anything before that is rough. All the bat shots. The bat is a rough weapon to use. Yeah. That is that is not a weapon you want to use in pro wrestling. It's the same thing with like a sledgehammer. You know you can do some significant damage with that, but you're not going to do the damage you could because you're not going to kill somebody. Yeah. So I, I just – I thought that the belt – or sorry, the bat shots from Rousey looked just weak and just – it didn't look good, I think. And, of course, you also had the, the, the judo gi – thrown at Liv Morgan, who reacted as if, like, she'd been hit in the face with green mist. Yeah. Um, and Rousey very slowly got the uh, the belt uh, that she eventually started whipping her with, which I was just like, we're going to see a strap match, guys. Come on now. Let's let's have some continuity here. Uh, I, I did I, like... So I've, I've been whipped by, by, like, a martial arts belt. Um, I can't say I have a whole lot of experience getting whipped by a leather strap, but I would take the martial arts belt any day. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly after the match that we have coming coming forward. Uh Rousey's gear was inspired by Li- They Live, which I thought was kind of cool. Always uh always nice to see the Rowdy Roddy Piper references thrown in even if it's not wrestling uh related. Um I think they, they said did... something about it being uh like the the honoring the passing of her judo mentor too. Yes, Maybe, judo Jean. Uh, yeah. Eugene LaBelle, was. Right, 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 right. Uh, who, who has uh, tons of history in pro wrestling as well as outside of pro wrestling and just stunt work. So this is a guy who, when he passed a few weeks or I guess about a month and a half ago at this point, um, so many amazing stories came out of that guy's life that uh, it's amazing that you didn't hear more of that prominently in the pro wrestling circles. Yeah. Um, we'll get into it. Like I said, the running knee from Rousey is I, were, I feel like where the match really started to pick up. Rousey uh, gets an ankle lock at one point. Um, but Morgan event does send her to the outside. Um, this is where we got some more bat shots from, uh, Ronda Rousey, which again, I was just like, okay, we need the, we need to get rid of this bat. A, a table was involved or a table was brought into play. Um, did you see that, that, that table spot? So when Liv went through it, she did like a, uh, like a flat back sentence for it. When her when her back hit Rousey, she straightened out completely. <laughs> like there was no give to that at all. You could clearly see that she was uh, that it, that it knocked the air right out of her. It was a pretty, and they kept replaying it too because it was a big point of the match. <laughs> but man, like she hits that, and instead of like you kind of usually keep like a curved back, and you don't flatten out until you actually hit the uh, the mat. <laughs> there, there was nothing to that she hit straightened completely out. It looked very painful. <laughs> It did. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the worst uh, uh, senton we were going to see this evening, but uh, <laughs> no, it was certainly it's... fucking hot. But uh, it, it was. It was a, certainly a great spot. Like uh, Mick said, uh, Liv comes off the top with a with a senton th- and puts Rousey through a table. Um, 
And then immediately after she goes through the table, Rousey traps Morgan in an arm bar. Then Morgan tries to lift her up and go for a power bomb. She tries to, to, to drop her on the broken table, uh, which Rousey kicks out of after a pinfall attempt. And then Rousey goes into a bicep crusher, which Michael Cole could not figure out what the hell she was doing here. You know who would have been able to figure this out? Jimmy fucking Smith. Yeah. <laughs> a guy who was was let go this week, and I, for this pay-per-view in particular, cannot understand why. Yeah. Uh, um, maybe more... maybe he's not Triple H's guy, but... Maybe. More Ronaldo would have been awesome for that uh, for calling yes. that match, too. He also would have been fantastic for uh, the uh, the fight cage match, too. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so we got the broken table powerbomb. Rousey gets the bicep crusher, and uh, Morgan passes out with a big old smile on her face. Uh, maybe there's more coming with that. Uh, so your overall thoughts on the match? Uh, you know what, honestly, so when I, when I went into this, I knew Rousey was going to win this. It was just, it's, it's one of those things where, okay, so they've gone back and forth and they kept talking about how, how, uh, you know, Liv has pinned her twice and everything else. And there was a lot of shenanigans involved with that end of the story. So I figured Rousey was coming out of this looking, probably going to have the, the belt. I wasn't really looking forward to this match. It was kind of one of those things that's like, well, this is going to be the piss break, piss break match of the night. Um, but it surprised me. Like, it was pretty good. Um, Liv looked very strong throughout the entire match, so she definitely didn't go out on her back with a, uh, uh, like, looking like a jobber. She looked very strong. She held her own against Rousey, which not many people can say. Uh, yeah, I was going to say there was a point in the match. Uh, it was a very early in the match. I think there's a camera guy that's either going to be getting a huge raise or fired during a uh, pin attempt that went directly on Liv Morgan's butt. Um depending, I guess, on what side of the spectrum you fall on the, the opinions there, because I said I'm sure there was a lot of happy people watching that, and I'm sure there was probably a lot of executives going, whoa, that's a little close. Regardless, uh, the match itself wasn't horrible. Um, it was something I think that was needed, because we knew, we knew that the belt had, like, uh, Liv wasn't having a great uh, championship run, but I think uh, it, it, they, they did everything they had to do to change it, and they didn't make Liv look super weak out of it. So, uh, I mean, other than those cha those chair shots, uh, Liv, Liv was throwing some pretty weak-looking chair shots. I don't know if she was doing that just trying to be professional about it or not hurt Rousey, or she was just gassed, because they, they looked pretty awful. Uh, otherwise, though, yeah, it did its job. It was fine. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with Liv Morgan on forward. Rousey, though, I, I still have zero interest in where she's going for. They did a uh, uh, they did a video package for Charlotte. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly where in the uh, the event it was, but it was a pretty long video package for her. And all I could think of is like, oh man, they're going to run back Charlotte, Charlotte and Rousey again. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I, I certainly don't want to see any of that, but uh, let's let's hope let's hope for something different going forward. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe she'll uh, maybe she'll be the uh, maybe she'll be the rabbit. Uh, up next, we had a strap match between Carrie and Cross and Drew McIntyre. I said before this, and I've said this numerous times on this show. I feel like Carrie Cross's entrance is just too much. Uh, but that's that's my perspective of it. Like I know people love it, so Brown's like I'm not going to take of the day. Yeah, that is my hot take of the day. Um, it's it's Thanksgiving. I have to give thanks, and I also have to take away some thanks. There you go. Um, we're, 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 we start the match with Cross refusing to put the strap on, um, and then after a distraction, uh, we get we McIntyre goes down after a, a being attacked by Cross. He fires back, and they eventually go into the crowd. Uh, this match is just going everywhere. 
Philly's loving it. Although I feel like there were moments of this night where Philly was just not into this show. Yeah, uh, uh, although yeah, the, Philly's pretty good for that though. Like they uh, they they shit on quite a bit of wrestling that they see. It's a weird true. crowd. Um, there's a sidewalk slam from the, onto the apron from uh, Cross, which is I think one of my favorite spots of the match. Just the core strength of Drew McIntyre to do this was uh, was pretty incredible because Cross is no tiny guy. This is this is this was two big men slapping meat, literally and figuratively, with a strap. Um, I guess it's two meaty men strapping meat. Yeah. Uh, so, because of that, you brought up the big the big meaty men. Uh, my when I first started writing notes on this match, I had to laugh because I said some heel shenanigans to start off the match because Cross refused to put the strap on. And then I started giggling because I typed out strap on. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only on the after show, ladies and gentlemen. Only right. on the after show. Uh, we we get we finally get the the strap on Cross's wrist. Uh, the bell does then does ring, uh, and then we get the strap over and over and over again on Cross. He took a shot to the back of the neck that just looked nasty on the outside. That was that was pretty gross. There, uh, those strikes were so loud, like you could oh, see yeah. he was absolutely like his shoulder and uh, his uh, like the. Uh, the back of his shoulder was absolutely cherry. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Uh, Cross did uh, eventually get a comeback after Scarlett got in uh, McIntyre's face, and that's when we had Drew's shoulder being worked over on the post on the outside. Um, the referee is asking McIntyre if he wants a doctor. Of course, McIntyre doesn't want anything to do with a doctor. Uh, Cross then begins to work him over again. Uh, McIntyre kicks out of the Doomsday Sayoutsi. Sciato suplex? Oof. English is not my first uh, language, guys. It is, right. but it's not. Uh, then we get uh, more uh, shots with the strap, this time on McIntyre's back. McIntyre's going to – he fires back at some point and suplexes cross. Um, and then uh, hits him with a neck breaker. Cross get, hits, get, get, then gets hit with a spine buster, but it's only for two. Uh, this is when Scarlett gets in the ring, and as he's about, or right as uh, McIntyre is about to do the uh, Claymore uh, cross, that, or sorry, Scarlett then sprays him with pepper spray in the eyes, which Cross is able to counter, um, or was counteract with a cross hammer, which I've never heard before. Cross hammer. That's interesting. It's a good move. Carrying uh, Cross gets the win with some shenanigans. What are your thoughts? So my high points to this. Uh, again, it wasn't a match that I was overly um, looking forward to. I, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the tether matches, as we talked about when we were uh, going over like the dog collar match with uh, Punk and um, MJF. But it was it was interesting. I, I actually I liked the uh, refusing the, the the whole thing at the start where he was refusing to get into the strap. That was kind of cool. Um, that blow that he took on the corner of the ring, I legit thought for a moment that that was uh, that, that was actually gonna throw up the X because I thought he so he he uh, uh, McIntyre got pulled into the corner post and this was relatively early on in the match like he uh, I, I can't even remember if the bell had rung at this point yet but he got pulled into the the ring post outside on the corner and he hit his shoulder in a really weird way when he bounced off of that corner he started swearing and then uh, I guess they cut the mic or or something. And then when it came back on, the ref was asking if he wanted medical. And I was like, oh, shit, like, he might actually be legit hurt. Like, that could have separated his shoulder there. And Drew's been known to have uh, some, some issues. So, thankfully, that wasn't the case. It was just a very good sell, but uh, it definitely worried me for a second there. 
second high point, well, I guess, I mean, regardless of that match, I was I thought it was really, really cool that he brought the Future Shock DDT back out. Now, he uses that as a transition move now instead of his finisher, but sets it up with the Claymore, so I thought that was cool to see as well. Uh, just as he was going, calls for the 3-2-1. The like you said, uh, Scarlet got into the into the ring, got into McIntyre's face. He was having none of it. And then at that point when he was starting the countdown, <laughs> I literally started typing out Drew wins by Claymore. And when he got that, I looked up and Scarlet was fucking pepper spraying him. <laughs> so, <laughs> deleted that out. Um, being pepper sprayed myself, I can uh, say with – Full certainty that that was not real pepper spray, or else it would have been a completely different story. However, it got the point across, and it ended the match in an interesting way, so we'll have to see what goes next with uh, Cross and Drew McIntyre. Both of those guys, I could actually see with the uh, the championship. Um, I know you don't like uh, Cross's entrance, but I think it's pretty fucking sweet, and I think him and uh, Scarlett work really well as a, uh, as a heel team together, and I think there's some potential there. I didn't really necessarily want to see Drew and uh, Drew versus Cross though. So I, and I think this program definitely does continue after this too. Like. I I think so just because of again you got some of the shenanigans going by. Uh, you got two of your I, now Drew one hundred percent is a top talent guy. He's he's definitely at the top of the card, but he's he's fallen down a couple of times just because of the fact that he uh, they, they've got other plans with with Reigns. So a, a, any given day you can give McIntyre the belt, he's going to run with it. That being said, because he's not unable to get, or he's been unable to get the belt, uh, he's got to go somewhere on the card. So now he's kind of at that upper mid card, maybe bottom of the the main card. Cross came back into the company, and he's got a lot of he's got a relatively decent heat behind him as well, or he's got some shine as well. And I think he's got the capability to also be a top guy as well. He was uh, he he was fantastic as the NXT champion uh, before. He decided to get into some BDSM and come onto the main roster as a gimp, uh, like a, like a gimp Spartan, I guess. <laughs> Regardless, <laughs> they've retconned. I, I know, that. I know a group that would have been perfect for him right now. Right. So I think he came back in, and they uh, they decided to like, we're gonna forget that that last run. But I'm very interested to see where it's coming for it. I think he's got a he's got a great theme. You know, whatever you say, I think his entrance is fine. Uh, he's, it's got, it's got a little bit of, uh, magic to it. It's got a little bit of mysticism to it, but it's not, I don't think anyway, it's as over, over the top as say like an Undertaker entrance or like a Bray Wyatt entrance or something like that. So I think it's, it kind of, it, it's good for that regardless. I mean, it, it's part of his character package. I think he's relatively vanilla in the ring. Um, but then seeing that, I think McIntyre is kind of vanilla in the ring too. They're, they're both big, big beefy dudes. You're not going to see them all the like the flippy shit high spots from them obviously uh nor nor should they be trying that stuff like we, we've seen what happens when big beefy men try to do huge spots and then you end up like brock lesnar almost breaking your neck so um not entirely sure where i was going with that point but uh <laughs> i'm interested to see what's going on this match like i said it didn't really do much for me but uh it was definitely the the entire card was paced very well and i think that this this was probably the best spot to have it our next match was the Raw Women's Championship ladder match between Bianca Belair and Bayley. Uh, this was the first ever singles uh, women's ladder match for a women's championship in WWE history. Uh, before we get into the nitty gritty of the match, what did you think overall of this one, Nick? Uh, I guess we'll we'll get into the nitty gritty with it, obviously, because uh, I think the ending was wrong. Uh, okay. That being said, the match itself, 
was fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, again, I didn't really care too much about the story going into it. I like Bianca. I like Bella. Or <laughs> fuck, I like Bianca. I like Bailey. Um, it just didn't. I I don't. I feel as if it didn't have the the build up that really required a spot like this. But uh, the the match itself was was great. Uh, we had a cross a double crossbody attempt by both women at the beginning of the match. Um, they each bring ladders into the ring. Belair, of course, has the uh, Jeff Hardy uh, let's go crazy ladder. Um, they have a tug of war back and forth. And Bailey is sent to the outside. Belair uh, sends her into a ladder at one point. Um, oh, sorry. Bailey um, sends Belair into a ladder. Uh, Bailey goes for a slingshot, but Belair lands on her feet and climbs the ladder, which was, I thought, like, the athleticism of this woman is just incredible. Um, Bailey does get her down, um, but Belair is able to slam Bailey on the ladder. Um, there's a handspring moonsault at one point where Bailey is still on the ladder. and right on uh, the ladder, yeah. Yeah, oh, just great. Um, Bailey tra- uh, traps Belair in the corner behind a ladder and unloads with a punch after with unloads with punch after punch. Um, Belair tries to fire back, but Bailey sunset flip power bombs her at one point into a ladder, which was that spot. I think was the spot of the match for me. Um, then Bailey starts to climb. Uh, Belair catches her. Uh, then Bailey drives the ladder into Belair's gut over and over and over again. Uh, Bailey is able to push Belair out of the ring. As she comes back, uh, balancing a ladder on the ring steps and barricade, Bailey lays Belair on the ladder before hitting a diving elbow. That was also very fucking That ridiculous. was the spot of the match for me, man. The way that Bailey bounced off that thing, you could tell like she was trying to keep Bianca safe when she did that. But the way that her, her arm, it didn't actually look like she got full connection on it, but fuck me, did she eat that ladder? <laughs> <laughs> um. Belair does hit a K- KOD at one point and begins to climb the ladder. Before she can grab the belt, though, Io Sky and Dakota Kai hit the ring and knock her off the ladder. Sky goes up for the over over the moonsault, uh, but Belair crotches her on the top rope. Belair lifts both Kai and Sky up, uh, who's tied up in the ropes. Belair dumps both of them out with a modified version of the KOD, uh, and Bailey reappears to hit Belair with a ladder. This match is just, it's continuing to go and go and go. There's a rose plant, which is, I think, one of my favorite uh, finishers that any woman does. It's quick, it's to the point, and it looks effective every single time Bailey does the rose plant. It's so much better than the Bailey to Belly. Yeah, absolutely. Don't get me wrong, the Bailey to Belly has its place, I think. I think if you're doing an avalanche one, of course that's not going to feel great. But there's so many there's so many opponents that Bailey just like whenever she did it to Sasha, it looked incredible. But Sasha throws herself around like a rag doll, so that totally makes sense, right? Whereas a lot of these women, it's it's hard to get them up and, and make that look effective. Well, I mean, it was all about it, like is the Bailey belly was all about her uh, her hug gimmick too, right? So you get a right. little hug and then flip them. So like the the rose plant is cool. I think it looks great and it fits her character a lot better and shows off that she is able to evolve. Uh, a moveset because like uh, she Bailey has even said her career coming up she had a really hard time trying to find her character until basically uh the old American dream put her hair put her hair hair up in a side ponytail and try to make her like the hero of kids which I appreciated now with this new role model character that she's got her heel gimmick um 
she kind of is like the anti-hero for that because there was some great character work at the uh, near the beginning of the match. She started arguing with one of the kids at ringside. The kid, oh, you could hear the kid on on the mic. She's the 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 little. I'm I'm not sure who the child was because I didn't actually see it. But all I can see is you suck, you suck. Bailey looks up at the kid. She says, "I suck." She's like, "I'm winning this match," and it was just fantastic. <laughs> Bailey picks up a ladder at one point, but Belair grab, grabs uh, Bailey from behind uh, while she's holding the ladder and hits a KOD, uh, which busted Bailey open uh, mouthwise. Uh, Belair then climbs the ladder and pulls the belt down for the victory. Uh, we both have the same thought about this. Uh, both of us are huge Bianca Belair fans, but like I think Bailey needed this win more. Uh, certainly, I, I think when you, with as long as Belair's been at the top. She's a solid. She's a solid star now. Like she, yeah. there, there's not. There, she's always going to be in the in the main, uh, it, it, like up at the main card or sorry, up in the like the title picture. Yeah. Like she's somebody you can always go to. But there, I just think that Bailey, especially with the run that she's been having since she returned at SummerSlam, I think that the title was pretty much necessary for for her at this point. But I mean, the feud doesn't look to be over quite yet. So we we still very well may get this. Well, and obviously, like I said, so when we we went to the live event there in uh, what was that July at this point? I think so, the time's yeah. going so fast. So when we went to the, the live event there, they were they were moving into this because Bailey had just come back. Like I think uh, what we saw was one of Bailey's first matches back into uh, actually wrestling. So they've obviously been working on this for a while. They've uh, been getting their 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 little groups together. So as I said, I've been um, uh, Bianca had. Oscar and Alexa Bliss in her corner, and that they were sitting there and they were working a lot of those matches, a lot of the the six man tag matches. They were working a lot of the the various the various tag offs between that, and then making some singles matches between um, the these between these six women. So it's 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 clear that they've been working to something on this. Uh, now that being said, the whole story about this going into this match was that Bianca was going into this completely alone because both of her buddies were injured for the night. Obviously, we get the shenanigans with uh, damage control. They come back in. And honestly, I think that should have been enough to give Bailey the win. So they get some, some shenanigans in the in the ring. Uh, you, you do the, uh, the, 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 the the heel tactics, the, the cheap tactics with the team, and then Bailey comes out on top. And then they could have moved both the division forward with the champion, and they could have continued on to this... Uh, you know this kind of weird wonky range they've got with uh, some of these these pieced together teams. Um, I think that would have been the smart money for it. However, that's clearly not what the the bigger picture is. Bianca comes out with the champ again after a really weird spot where Bailey was climb or grabbing at her knee. Uh, the announce team was talking about maybe she was injured, maybe she got hurt. She pulls off the hinge to her knee brace, and I'm like, oh shit, she's gonna use this as a weapon somehow. You know, maybe this is gonna be it. Uh, use it as like a brass knuckle or something, and then she just tosses it. So it was, I was like, I didn't understand that they were focusing so much on it. Maybe there was a miscue somewhere, but either it was a botch or it was just something that they they just didn't work into. I think that could have gone helped it go over the way it did. But then you know, Bianca ended up getting the belt and climbing the ladder. So we'll see where it goes for that. I don't know. Yeah, I, I like to see damage control with all the gold. I think. I, I agree with you. I, I think that this was the time to take the belt off Bianca before it gets stale. Because don't get me wrong, this woman has been incredible since WrestleMania. And since before WrestleMania. Since the SummerSlam where they took the belt off of her and gave it to, to Becky in like 26 seconds. I think that she's always been able to keep her spot at the top. 
And she's never, while she was having smaller feuds, she was winning. Like, this is a woman who hasn't lost a match in over 300 days, right? So, like, yeah. and they made they, they made that very clear on commentary. So, I, I don't think that she would have been hurt by the loss. I think that, especially not being pinned. Like, that's why I felt like it was so necessary for Bailey to go over here is because this is a situation where you don't have to pin Bianca. Yeah, it just so, going forward, I just don't want to see where they go with it right now. Um, but it, I think if they, they did it on the flip side, unless they're just going to sit there and do the the, the whole raw hot swap, I, I, who knows what's going on. But uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see where they take it. So I said to you last night, I was like, I think WWE's women's, women's division is in a much healthier place right now. And I know, I guess probably in like the spring, kind of the uh, the late winter there last year, uh, things were starting to get kind of stale. They were doing a lot of these three, four matches again. And you're like, man, what's going on here? Clearly, the women's division is back in the prime focus. They've got a lot of big, big names in their uh, females division right now. And I think that it's probably safe to say they've got the best women's division in wrestling right now. If you don't, you know, if you don't count like stardom or any Yoshis. Right. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a great match. Like you said, uh, I, I disagree with the ending. But I, I mean, hey, this could be where Charlotte's going next. Potentially. I, you know, uh, though, again, I don't I don't really see that either. I don't really. I don't know. I just got. I I think the break that we've had from Charlotte has been like she really hasn't been missed in the division. I don't think. And no, you know, all respect in the world granted to Charlotte. She's an incredible talent. She's an incredible athlete. She actually absolutely is one of the hallmarks of WWE's women's division. But she's already sitting at like thirteen title runs, man. Like, I just I don't know. What, like, what else does she need? She's she's elevated to the point where she doesn't need the title. I think if they want to do this bullshit again with. Uh, Charlotte and, and uh, Rousey, if maybe that's where they're going. Maybe not. Maybe if she's going to go after Becky again because they've got some unfinished business. I really don't know. But um, it would be know. nice. I you just... know what? It would, be, it would be nice to see Bianca get a win over Charlotte. I think that would be something that I would like. If you're going to have Charlotte come back and challenge Bianca, yeah, then Bianca has to go over in that one because I don't yeah. want to see Charlotte beat her. I really don't. Yeah, I can see like, that. that would, and that would actually might, might be the, the idea going forward. Let's, let's hope. Uh, up next, we had an I Quit match between Edge and Finn Balor, and I was excited for this match going in. I know that you had said that this match went a little long for you, but man, I thought this was really a tremendous match. Like, Finn Balor and Edge work so fluently and so well together, and I think it's a lot of credit to Finn, because this guy's been able to come and work with these legends like Edge and Rey Mysterio and and have these great matches. Even even a, like a, a throwaway Raw match uh, with Rey was, was fantastic. So, I mean, like we had... Before Sorry, we get into it, though, uh, there's one thing I have to say. What was up with the bedazzled gimp mask? Uh, Kyle and I were on a show last week called uh, Smackin' It Raw, and I heard uh, Judgment Day uh, referenced as the Sexecutioners. Um, and with the mommy-daddy thing that uh, Rhea's got going on with, as she calls Dom-Dom, um, I believe if he was a Dom-Dom, we wouldn't have this situation. I believe she's the Dom-Dom. Right. Uh, but, uh, no, I, like, this is, you know what, this has been fine. I have no problem with what Judgment Day has been doing. I feel like them losing Edge was probably the best thing for them, um, which is something that I wouldn't have thought at the beginning of it. Like, they did not have Edge as their leader for very long. Um, and they've been, I think they've been fine. Like, the, the, the Dominic Mysterio turn was done very well, as we talked about on our last after show. And the, it led into some really fun spots in this match. Uh, we'll We'll get into it, though. 
Uh, Balor's going after Edge's knee. Uh, lots of, uh, lots of rest holds, but I, I mean, you have to expect it with an almost 50 year old Edge. He's gonna need, so he's gonna need to be worked over a little bit before we get into the fast stuff. Well, and both um, these dudes, I mean, they're not young spring chickens, either of them. They're mm-hmm. 40s. Uh, now, Finn is obviously early in his 40s, whereas Age is in his latter 40s. However, both these dudes are in fucking amazing shape. Uh, this is a hard match to, to, to book, I think. The I quit match has always been difficult because you always need that referee sitting right there with the microphone. Yeah. Uh, I, it was very grunty, man. It was a very grunty match. Yes, it was. Lots of grunts, lots of heavy breathing. Um, Balor refuses to quit a bunch of times. Ed refuses, Edge refuses to quit tons of times. Uh, they spill out into the outside of the ring. Balor slams Hedge and uh, Edge. <laughs> He's the vegan Edge. Hedge. <laughs> he slams Edge's head into the announce desk, uh, and he's asking the referee to ask Edge if he quits. Of course, Edge is refusing. Uh, if we get through like this, uh, this, <laughs> this spear through the barricade that looked pretty all right. Uh, they start fighting into the crowd, which I, again, I feel like was kind of unnecessary considering we got it in the, uh, Cross and McIntyre match. Um, but I mean, it's Philly, so they love a, they love a brawl in the crowd. Um, Edge gets a hockey stick out at one point. Fuck. Um, that was the best part of the match, man. You get, you get the old, good old Canadian swinging a hockey stick. Fantastic. Edge then sends Balor into the kickoff show set. Um, he uses a, uh, Edge puts him in a cross face with the hockey stick, which was great. Um, Balor continuing to refuse to, uh, quit. Uh, they're, they're going up the stairs and this is where I, I believe, uh, Balor's running at edge and he tosses him into the fucking, like the, the entrance way to one of the spots in the arena and just clocks his face right into the cement. Hmm. Uh, the crowd that's just standing there at a distance watching and videotaping this all on their phones. Uh, hilarious. The, the concrete overhang is what I meant to say. Um, he goes for a spear, but Balor moves out of the way, and they crash into the metal railing. Uh, they, uh, Balor then locks into submission in the railing, and I'm like, oh, my God, are we getting the, the, the Sasha Banks and uh, Charlotte spot for the I Quit match? Is that how we're going to end this? No, Edge says, screw you, Finn. And uh, Balor then uh, gets Edge with a chair a bunch of times. Uh, he refuses to quit. Um, he And then we go back into the ring. Uh, we were, uh, Edge works over Balor's knee. Uh, of course he won't quit. Uh, the Judgment Day eventually make their way down to the ring. And, uh, this brings out Rey Mysterio as well. After Edge is able to pretty much take out everyone in Judgment Day only to be, you know, only for the numbers game to catch up with him. Ray comes out and is absolutely useless. Uh, he, he gets is, absolutely wasted by Dominic. Absolutely. Uh, Dominic, uh, Dominic Guerrero. Uh, is able to take take him to the outside and work him over. It looked like he was going to take his mask off for a second, but I kind of think that that's where they're going with this. Is eventually Dominic's going to take Ray's mask and and that's going to be the end of Ray's career. I think that's what Ray wants to. And, and sure, give him give give them that. I think that that's fine. Um, as as you said, Dominic takes Ray off the apron, then beats him down on the outside, and all the while Michael Cole is losing his fucking mind. Just, that's your father. That's so your good, father. Man. He's he is so good without without uh, Vince in his ear. He's just he's got like Michael Cole has gotten a new like breath of life into his career, man. Like I used to absolutely cringe over that guy. Fuck that. He, give him all the money. Just give him all the money. Agreed. Uh, we had uh, Rhea eventually get into the ring and handcuff Edge to the ropes. 
uh, which starts the dom or sorry, which starts the beatdown with the kendo stick. But then, then we get Beth Phoenix hopping over the barricade and getting into the ring, taking out the members of Judgment Day, and then smashing Balor with a kendo stick. Uh, Dominic gets on the apron. Uh, Phoenix kind of pauses. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want to go after Dominic. But Rhea Ripley gets in the ring, and they, we have the face-off, which the crowd really started to light up for. I feel like this is, at this point, the crowd really got into this match, and they started to get really loud. Uh, both women go back and forth with each other. Um, Phoenix then spears Ripley and takes the handcuff key, gets Edge out. Um, this is when Edge goes on his spearing stree- uh, spree, yeah. which was, again, the crowd was going nuts for this. Uh, Dominic gets in the ring, begs Edge not to go after him, offers him his hand. Edge returns the favor from uh, Clash at the Castle with the uh, the kick to the balls. Yeah. Uh, then Balor goes for a sneak attack, but unfortunately gets speared for his efforts. Uh, he goes for three. Edge gets him with three spears, which Balor was just no selling all of them, and I get why. <laughs> like I, it was they were doing the spot, but like this is your finisher, man. Um. Phoenix then gives Edge a chair. Uh, he, he Edge does his normal breaking the piece of the chair off to go in with the cross face. Yep. Uh, then Ripley lays out uh, Phoenix with a pair of brass knucks. Ballard gets three double stomp or yeah three stomps off the top rope. Uh, Edge yeah Edge refuses to quit. Uh, but then they get um, Phoenix into this position where she's got a concerto waiting for her. Uh, via Rhea Ripley, and Edge is forced to get uh, to quit the match to try and save his wife. And he doesn't because eventually they can share to her. And anyway, um, this is this is this was great. I thought this was a really great match. I thought both guys looked awesome in it. Um, and and this was yeah, I, I thought this was really 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 awesome. I, I don't know. I I was I went in with high expectations, and they were all met. So I went in with low expectations because I really don't give a shit about the Judgment Day stuff. Um, and maybe that puts me in the minority. I don't know. However, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the match was, was fun. It was decent pace. Like I said, I thought it ran a little long. Um, but again, I think that's just being, that's just the I quit match. Like we talked about just the, the, it has to be set up specifically. So the end was kind of unsettling. Yeah, <laughs> like, it really so was. It's sitting there and it's like, Oh, I quit. I was like, okay, you know what? That, fucking makes sense like your your wife is about to get her head smashed to pieces that's a great spot to say i quit and then Rhea still smacks it and beth absolutely sold it like a million bucks i am so used to especially like you get in the uh the, like the old attitude era stuff when, when you get a lot of like the male on on female violent angles i guess uh and like the camera would cut away I, for, for whatever reason, I was watching this, and I'm in my head, I'm thinking, oh, the camera's going to cut away. No, it did not. <laughs> she <laughs> ate that chair shot like a million bucks, and I was like, holy fuck, she's dead. <laughs> like, that killed her, man. She's fucking dead. Um, and then she just laid there in the ring, and <laughs> Edge is like, get someone out here. We need medical. What are you fucking guys doing? She needs help. It was it was fantastic. So, um, as I said, for me, I was getting a little burned out of it by the end, but the finish was fucking fantastic. Agreed. Uh, we we were shown Braun Breaker in the crowd, who is uh, what, in attendance. Uh, there was another NXT star who was there, who's just escape. It's escaping me right now. Um, uh, Nikita Lyons. Nikita Lyons. Yes, she was also uh, in the crowd as well. I, I'm wondering if these are people they are bringing up right away. Uh, we are getting into that time where Royal Rumble season is almost upon us, so it would ni- it would it would be nice to see some NXT stars start to come up, especially guys like Braun, who I feel like have done what they can do in NXT, and it would be nice yeah. to see them move forward. Braun's, Nikita, Braun's ready. 
Uh, I think Braun's ready. I think uh, uh, Toxic Attraction with Mandy Rose would be a good spot to bring up, especially with damage damage control and the things going on with the uh, factions. I don't think Nikita Lyons is, is good yet. I she's she's got a fucking great look. She's got a great character going on. I think she's too green yet. Um, what about your thoughts on Gacy coming up, especially with this White Rabbit stuff? He was one of the names teased. I don't know, man. I don't like him. It's not. I, I don't even. It's, it's not even that I don't like him. I just I think his character kind of sucks. I think he's going to end up uh, very similar to me for uh, maybe maybe not necessarily like obviously the same the same style or anything, but uh, very. I think his call up will go the way of Adam Rose or. You know, like no way, Jose. I think he's going to be there, uh, but I, I kind of think the same. If they don't get this thing with old Dexter Lumen, this going on, I think he's going to end up the same way too. What we did not mention. Speaking yes, of Dexter, I was literally about to get into that next. So perfect. <laughs> Holy shit! So they kept doing little parts with Miz throughout the entire show. Every time there was a break where they were resetting the ring or cleaning up the mess from like the uh, the old the old fashioned fucking. Donnybrook. You know, it's a Donnybrook match. Anytime they were cleaning up, they'd cut to Miz in the back, and he was talking either to uh, Maurice on the phone, talking about his birthday surprise, or and he was on his way to talk to Triple H. Every time he was going up to go to talk to Triple H or getting near the office, he was getting uh, uh, the – the fuck is his name? Grit? The Philly, Gritty. Philly's, Gritty. Gritty, right. So Philly's uh, mascot kept interrupting him, and – they had some back and forth, and this would continue the entire the entire night. So I can't remember, but I think it was after this match they cut out again to Gritty. Uh, Miz is sitting outside of Triple H's office, and Gritty's behind him again. And then Miz freaks out, attacks the mascot, and all I'm thinking is this is Kane and Pete Rose. <laughs> like this is the same bullshit. Anyway, he's going on. Biffs are on the ground, and I thought for sure. That it was going to be Dexter in the in in the um, uh, in the mascot costume. Not true, because Dexter standing directly by him beats the shit out of Miz, puts him on the ground. Miz is all writhing around in pain. Gritty gets up and boots Miz in the ribs before he walks off with Dexter. Where they're going with that, I have no fucking idea. One hundred percent for it. <laughs> yeah, I I I I think Kyle brought up a point like when we when uh, we were on. Um we were guesting on a show last week that Dexter Loomis needs to do something more than just uh, go after the Miz and just attack him in random spots. It's fun. Don't get me wrong, but this is a guy who we brought back after we really didn't have anything for him to do on the main roster to begin with. And he was, he was eventually let go. I'd like to see something, uh, some sort of resolution with this Miz stuff because it's been going around for a long time now. And it'd be, it would be nice to, to have some sort of a, you know, some sort of a conclusion to this and, and move on with Dexter Loomis. Do you think uh, they're waiting to debut Indy or what? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it, it's going to be it, – I don't know if you pair those two together again, but certainly they have a history and you can always go back to it at any point. So I guess time will tell. Time will definitely tell. I feel like if you're going to do him in Indy, though, you need to have Candice and Johnny Gargano with them as well. Well, they've got uh, them back, though. They've got everyone they, back now, so all the stages are set. That's true. It's while it's while I do agree with you on that. I feel like Johnny Gargano has been placed into a, a main event type position, uh, and it's just a matter of time before we start to see him have his uh, twenty to thirty minute classics with guys um, it, it, for, for the big titles. And I don't feel like Dexter Loomis is is necessarily uh, coming along for that ride. But we'll. I, I mean, again, time will tell. 
They they could do though. Like I said, they're starting this faction stuff going on, right? So if you sit there, get the uh, you know the way back together, um, with or without Austin Theory, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal yet because I think Theory's got his own. I think honestly, Theory and Gargano as like a beginning feud would probably make a lot of sense. Maybe that's that what they're be, doing right now, right? right? So maybe that's how you reintroduce the the way to the the, the main roster. Um, get that going and then you can have his faction start with uh, some of the, the the more minor feuds or anything else while gargano can take the spotlight and do basically the same thing that uh, some of the other guys are doing right with bailey looking after the title or reigns you know basically holding on to those titles for dear life do something like that i don't know it's interesting to see where wwe is right now i'm uh, i'm i'm pretty interested in it i agree uh, our main event was the fight pit match between Matt Riddle and Seth Rollins with special guest referee Daniel Cormier. Uh, Rollins comes out with very RVD inspired gear. I loved it. Thought it would look. I thought he looked great. Yeah. Uh, Riddle comes out with his regular Scooby Doo looking tights. So nothing <laughs> yeah. too special about him. Daniel Cormier. Uh, I want to talk about this off the hop. Number one, we know he has issues with. He's had issues with Riddle just based on uh, Riddle talking about fighter pay and Daniel Cormier being kind of a company guy when it comes to the UFC. Um, number one, do you think that this is a, a first step for Daniel Cormier to get into the WWE, or do you think this is a one-off? Um, I don't think it's going to be a one-off. I think DC has always been he, – he's always been a huge mark for WWE as well. Uh, so he's always been really big into it. I think DC really wants to wrestle Brock Lesnar. I think that's one of his things. I mean, I, something for Brock and DC to do at WrestleMania, right? I don't know if we're going to see that, though, because, I mean, DC's not exactly in uh, fighter shape anymore. Uh, nothing nothing against him. I mean, fucking man's retired. The dude's got an absolute wealth of uh, experience, and uh, he's had a hell of a career himself. I don't know if he's going to do it, man. Like, DC's in his 40s. He's getting on in age. Um, he's not a pro wrestler. Uh, I don't think they need to put him in that spotlight. I just don't want to see – I don't want to see them give uh, – get the same treatment as, like um, – uh, oh, shit. It's escaping me right now. Uh, the, the, the fighter that kicked the shit out of Brock Lesnar there. I'm having a complete brain. Oh, are you talking about um... – are you talking about Kane Velasquez? Yes, yes, yes. Kane Velasquez. So, like, I don't want to see DC get Kane's treatment there, where he comes in with a lot of hype and then kind of just farts out and withers away. Um, I can see DC being added to some of the backstage stuff. So, either make him an announcer or maybe not I think announcer. he'd be a phenomenal announcer for the, for and, the company. Sh- sure, if if UFC lets him, because he's still a commentator for UFC too, right? Right, so, but I, does he is he contracted by them, or is I mean, it just something? Yeah. That that I mean, he is retired, right? So like right. this this is where this is where the, these contracts will will come into play. And certainly he was able to do this. So I think again, I think time will tell, and I think it's going to be who who offers him more money at this point. I guess so. He, I mean, I, a, I'd like to see him on commentary. I'd like to see him do some of the pre-show things, and I think we're probably going to see a lot of that with him potentially. Right. Um, Riddle takes down Rollins right at the beginning of this match, landing a bunch of strikes. Um, basically before Rollins can even really get into it, uh, Riddle runs up the cage and he hits a flying kick at one point. So I, we should talk about this. The fight pit is a no ropes, no turnbuckles cage match with like a, a pier on top of the cage to do some sort of, uh, on top of the cage back and forth stuff. Um, it's cool. This match, yeah, it, I, I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I, I don't know if this was like, I, I did end up watching one of the, uh, one of the other ones after the fact. Yeah. Just to get a better feel for this match. I don't know if this one's the best fight pit match they've ever had. Although I feel like it is the highest 
um, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I feel like this is the uh, the most. Uh, God, I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Right. It definitely has the most this, eyes on it. That's what that's what I was trying to say, but with different words. Yeah. Um, so certainly Cormier getting involved at certain points. Uh, he backs up Rollins into the cage at one point. And goes, don't don't touch me. Don't touch. With, so he he did that with both of them. So Riddle, uh, I don't know if he he tagged him uh, by accident or something, but he, there was a little bit of interaction between uh, Riddle and uh, and DC while he was trying to get to Seth. So while he backs up, uh, Riddle gets gets um, uh, Rollins onto the cage. Daniel Daniel Cormier fucking ragdolls Riddle like throws him off of it and he's like you do not touch me I am the official do not put hands on me and Riddle's going sorry bro sorry bro sorry bro the whole time <laughs> and it looked it looked very realistic it was very cool to see uh and then shortly after that uh again so Seth is able to get the the upper hand because DC pulls him off uh then he sits there he's going for it uh DC goes to check on Riddle, and then Seth pushes Cormier out of the way and goes after Riddle again. So Cormier sits at it. He's got that motherfucker look on his face, puts Riddle up against the cage, and then Cormier comes over, ragdolls Seth, and puts him up the cage. <laughs> Seth's just like, okay, okay, shit, okay. And it's the same thing where they were saying, he's like, do not touch the official, I will touch you. He's like, you do not touch me. Uh, prior to that, the crowd was going ape shit with we want Wyatt chats, or uh, chants. Nothing was said about it. Everything was just tight-lipped, and eventually the crowd got either bored or lazy, and it completely died out. The best part for me, when this when this match first started, like you said, uh, Riddle started off with uh, just basically tagging Seth. Seth got smoked with like what looked like a real kick. You heard it. It went there, and Rollins started bitching, and, and he, he went, ow, or he went, he said something, but it, after Big Smack, Riddle had a huge shit-eating grin on his face after he kicked Rollins, and he's and you're like, that was real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rollins had a Peruvian necktie at one point. He hit a frog splash off the top of the pit. Uh, God, what else did we have? Uh, eventually, both men are down, and Cormier begins to count. Uh, they both get to their feet and trade strikes back and forth. Riddle tries for an RKO, but Rollins pushes him away. Um, and then he's able to land a stomp, which, uh, Cormier checks on Riddle for, uh, yeah, this match can only be won by submission or knockout, which I, I think that adds something to it. Um, Cormier, uh, or gets yelled at by Rollins at one point to start the count. And even the, the, the announcers are like, ah, I feel like Cormier should be counting him and not checking on him so much. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that was that, uh, like that was showing the, uh, you know, like the expertise and the ring awareness of, of, of Rollins, because I think Rollins was actually reminding DC, like, bro, you got to count. I think uh, DC's count was way too fucking fast, uh, but he stopped doing some of that, and then once Rollins got back into it, every time he would knock him down, he's like, count, man, man count. I think it was just to cover up the like the the semi botch from before. Right. Um, yeah, the the he actually did he actually did land the RKO. Uh, but it was like during an exchange where they were going back and forth. I, I wrote down somewhere what got the RKO. It happened on the top of the the pit, correct? No, right? it, no, it was the first RKO was in the ring. Okay, so, right, so it was when so Seth. Uh, where, where's I'll go back up. Okay, so there's a beat. Uh, there's that huge suplex into the cage. So Seth, uh, Seth, and and actually did a, an exploder suplex into. Uh, uh, suplex riddle into the cage, which looked like it hurt a lot. Uh, then Seth ran up, 
the cage, started climbing it, then he did the RVD frog splash from it. Then he tried to throw on the Peruvian necktie, but he was reversed into an RKO. So Riddle actually managed to smash the RKO. Didn't uh, didn't keep him down long enough. So then they started the more exchanges. Riddle ate a stomp. Uh, that was when DC took a really long time to start the count. So I think that would have been where it probably should have went to. But again, I think this was just some of like the mind games going back and through it. Uh, that's when we saw them get up on top of the platform. Uh, Riddle actually, he chases... Seth up to the uh, the platform, puts him in a rear naked choke with the chain between them. So there's like four chains in each of the corner that's kind of holding the cage up. And he's got the chain between him and Seth Rollins as he's squeezing both of them into a rear naked choke. That was a pretty cool spot. DC's like yelling at them from the bottom, telling them, you can't win up there. You can't win up there. That's when we ended up getting the uh, the RKO and all the, the um, yeah, the RKO ate it on top of the platform and rolled off the platform to fall back into the ring after they were fighting with DC. Uh, the announcers made a big deal about uh, Seth, Seth Rollins ring awareness because he grabbed on to one of the, uh, one of the posts as he fell basically just to slow his land. And it looked pretty good. It didn't look like it was uh, like super corny or anything. He just, he ate the RKO. He rolled as he fell, he grabbed the, uh, the bar, yeah, but he ended up dumping himself on the mat, which was good. Then we got probably the biggest spot of the entire match, and Jesus Christ, that looked like it hurt. So while he's sitting there, DC starting to count on Rollins, and he actually ended up getting, I think, to seven or eight. So at this point, he probably could have won the match. He's like, eh, it's not happening. So Riddle jumps from the top while Seth is lying prone in the ring, delivers the 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 – uh, whatever the hell they're called, the Broton or or whatever it was. Anyway, massive flatback sent yeah. on. Yeah, lands on what looks to be like Seth's lower abdominals and his leg, and he fell flat on it. You could see the look in Riddle's face when he hit the ground. Um, Seth turns away from the camera because he's obviously in a lot of pain, just you know eating two hundred something pounds of of shit dropped from probably twelve feet up in the air. Um, so he rolls away from the camera. He's clearly in a lot of pain. The look in Riddle's face is like, holy fuck, that was a horrible idea because they were both in a lot of pain. While while Seth rolls out and he's like just kind of like gritting his teeth through it, <laughs> Riddle is just screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that fucking hurt. That probably was not good. At that point, I think that could have ended the match with a double count out. That could have been that could have been a town count for the both of them. But they came back up. Ended up going back into it, and it was a very, uh, it was actually a very quick uh, finishing sequence after this. So Riddle ties him up into uh, flying triangle. Is it? Not? Yeah, yeah, it's a flying triangle, and he doesn't have it sink all the way in. Rollins tries to power bomb him out of it, and then starts running him into each side of the cage as he's sitting there trying to get him off of his arm or into the, to get out of the triangle. Uh, when he power bombs him into the mat again, you can tell Riddle doesn't let him go. Sinks in the submission, and uh, Riddle uh, Rollins is, is forced to tap. So I think the overall match was fucking fantastic. It was a very fun match. It's something that you don't see every day. Uh, I really want to see this gimmick in a two K uh, in two K game because I think that would be mm-hmm. so fun to do. Um, the match, I think the finish was a little underwhelming, but I don't. I, I thought it was kind of cool that Riddle took the win. Yeah, I agree. I think it's good that they've traded wins back and forth pretty much the entire summer. And they've, uh, they've they, this has been a good feud for a feud that 
I mean, has touched on a lot of things that I think that are uncomfortable pro- probably for Matt Riddle and his uh, and probably his family. Uh, I think they got the best they could out of it. I hope this is it, though. I hope this is where they, they end this and they move on. Um, as Riddle and Cormier are leaving, uh, the lights go out in the arena, and this is when the crowd pops huge. Michael Cole's on the my, on the stick going, are we still on the air? Are we still are on got, the air? Are we guys, still live? Fuck, that was Guys, awesome. are, we, are we still on the air? And uh, then you hear a familiar voice going, he's got the whole world in his hands. Spotlights start hitting each or different parts of the arena where we see characters from the Firefly Funhouse appearing in person as opposed to the puppets that they were. First with Huskus the pig and then, of course, the rambling rabbit and uh, Abigail the witch uh, and the, the, uh, Mercy the buzzard. Yeah, Mercy the buzzard. Um, and then, of course, someone dressed as the fiend as well. Uh, then a door appears on the stage. The door flies open and a blinding light, uh, which ends up being a lantern. This is when the crowd just goes nuts. Uh, Bray Wyatt makes his return with a brand new mask, holding the lantern, removes the mask. Uh, obviously, we all knew it was Wyatt. Um, he tells us he's here before blowing out the lantern, and that's how we go off the air. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on this? Uh, like I said, it was very... I'm not going to say underwhelming because it wasn't. I think it was very expected that he was coming back. I mean, the rumors have been circulating forever. All the White Rabbit stuff were like, dude, it's going to be fucking Bray. Like, it's it's got to be. He's coming back. They 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 came back, and sure shit it was. Um, not sure where they're going with the new character. Like I said, the new mask is very uh, V for Vendetta-ish. Uh, it looks cool. I just don't know what he's going to do with his new character, but I've got all the... Um, all the confidence in the world that he's that that uh, Bray's going to make it something special, something you know must see TV. I think it's going to be very interesting. He's a fantastic storyteller. I think it's going to work. Uh, I did notice that the the blinding light was a bit of a uh, a bit of a callback to when Brody Lee was introduced in AEW as the Exalted One. Yes. They had the very same similar deal, which which I thought was really cool. Obviously, Bray and uh, when he took off the mask, I thought it was fucking fantastic to see that, you know, it, hundred percent, it was him. I don't know where they're going with the, the whole mask gimmick or if he's going to be, what his character is going to be, but it was kind of cool. And there's a lot of callbacks to all of his previous run in WWE, including the blowing out of the lamp, which the light actually went out before he, uh, he blew it. Yes. I don't know if you saw that. Um, and then went, we actually cut the very last thing that was part of that, uh, that whole scenario was the old, Sound effect as it went off yes. the air. So I, I don't know. I thought it was really cool. It was very well done. There was a lot of uh, artist artistry involved with it. Um, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. I don't know if he's going to land on SmackDown or Raw. Kind of hope he goes to SmackDown though, because I kind of want to see Bray get the title back. I think he is definitely one of the ones that can at least take one of the straps off of uh, Roman Reigns, and I don't think anyone's going to bitch about it. Oh, I don't. I don't think so either. Uh, I, I, if you're going to give this pay-per-view, or sorry, the premium live event, a mark out of five, Mick, what do you give it? Uh, I, as I said, I mean, as far as Extreme Rules go, it was one of the best Extreme Rules they've done in a very long time. Uh, overall for live events, or premium live events, uh, I don't think it was the greatest one out there, but I did, I appreciated the, all the matches were, were relatively uh well placed on the card the uh the pacing of the the whole card was really well 
Um, there was nothing that was a complete bomb or a stinker. There was definitely some low points in it. Uh, but I think, you know, it's a solid four, man. It's overall, like, it's, uh, it's, it's going through. It opens up a lot of unanswered questions where we actually want to tune in to see what the answers are. So I definitely think uh, – and the, the best part is is that it did not have a male world championship title on the entire event at all. And it wasn't missing it. Like, you, no. there was nothing where you're like, fuck, man, that really needed the world title to be, be – it was fine. No, I agree with you 100%. I love the fact that Rollins and Riddle got the main event. I think the only other match that I would have liked to see in the main event outside of that one was probably the women's ladder match. But I understand why you put the – the. well, I mean, I don't understand why you had this match in the main event considering what you were going off the air with. But I think all all is going to come clean in the wash, and we will all, once we take it out of the dryer – we're gonna see. Uh, we're gonna see what, what what's going on with this white rabbit, and 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 certainly, you know, a, a Monday night edition of a Monday Night Raw edition of Halloween, or sorry, a Halloween edition of Monday Night Raw is coming. Uh, that should be fascinating with this new gimmick. I will. I will be out of the area, unfortunately, but uh, hopefully, I can get some decent internet to at least try to bump up my my uh, five TV and and catch it because that'd be interesting to see. If I'm not completely intoxicated by that point, because who knows? <laughs> well, I mean, Monday night, maybe, maybe you know, I'm not the, I'm not the old, I'm not the same person I was back in my my younger days. So potentially, it could be an early night that night. Who knows? With all that being said, Mick, thank you again for joining me for one of these uh, these these WWE premium premium live event after shows. The next one coming up, guys, is going to be our Survivor Series after show. I know Mick, you may not be available for that one, but you can probably expect myself and Kyle to take a, take a look at war games. Um, I'm going but to if do we, my best to catch that one because I think having war games on the main roster, I'm pretty stoked for. Uh, I agree with you 100%. But if you want to check out any of our other shows on Wednesday Night Wallop, you can find us on Twitter at, at @wnwallop, on Instagram at wnwallop, and if you want to find us on Facebook, it's just type in Wednesday Night Wallop in the search bar. Look for myself and Kyle Joseph's name, and you'll find us there. If you want to find me personally on Twitter, it's at R-Y-A-M Sport Report. And uh, Mick, where can they find you on Twitter if they want to argue your opinions? Uh, it's uh, just at Hollywood. It's all spelled fucked up just the way that uh, my name is. So it's H-A-W-L-E-Y Wood 788 at uh, obviously on Twitter or any of the other socials there. So not uh, super active, but uh, I guarantee you if you, you go to follow or you add me, I'll see you. And if you want to start arguing with me, feel free because, uh, you know, I like to do it. Thank you, everyone, for uh, in taking in uh, the whole hour and ten minutes that we've been doing this this review show. And uh, to all our Canadian listeners, have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Mick, have a happy Thanksgiving to you as well. And with all that being said, you have been extremely walloped. You've been listening to a Wallop Media podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Wallop Media. The hosts of our shows are Rylan, Kyle, and DK. You can find Rylan on Twitter at Rylan Wallop and Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Wallop. Production is by RJ Spearin. You can find his work at facebook.com slash spearkingco. Logo designs are by Maisie Mulder. You can find her work on her website, maisiemulderdesigns.com. Our podcasts are hosted by Acast. You can listen to them on the podcast catcher of your choice or on our website, shows.acast.com slash wallopmedia.